0: Hey, it's Jameson Fink with another episode of Wine Without Worry. Wine Without Worry is brought to you by Wente Vineyards, America's oldest family-owned winery and California's first family of Chardonnay. Visit them online at wentevineyards.com. And right now today in Seattle, I'm looking out my window. It's about 70 degrees, sunny, beautiful clouds going through the sky. It's quite idyllic. And uh, I'm going to start thinking about summer wines. I, I already have and I am right now. And uh a lot of people like to drink different things in the summer. Everyone has their personal preferences and whatnot. But uh I was very curious to know what my friend Elaine Chukan-Brown likes to drink in the summer what, for her summery wine. She is the creator of the fantastic blog Hawk Waka Waka Wine Reviews, and you can visit that at Waka Waka Wine Reviews. Dot com. I suggest you do. She also was nominated for a Savour Best Food Blog Award for her blog, which was well deserved. So, uh, Elaine, welcome to the show. And what are some of your favorite wines in when it's summertime?
1: Well, rose is an obvious go-to for summer, and I actually just finished writing a magazine article that'll come out on wine and spirits later this summer, and got to taste through a whole bunch of California roses as a result. And Matthias since 2013 is fantastic. It's this Rhone blend that just has really sophisticated layers of flavor, but is also really juicy and um, fun to drink, you know? So it's that perfect combo of a wine you can just enjoy. Every time there's a lull in the conversation, the wine's going to keep you interested, you know? So um, that's really a big favorite right now. And here in California, we're lucky enough to be able to find it uh, as – on tap in different places too
0: and you're in sonoma right yeah that's right
1: yeah when i think of
0: rosé i mean i'm a little uh biased to the um french but that's part of the thing that we're going to do on this show um i know there's a lot of exciting things happening in california right now and i think the, the rosés that are coming out of that as a reflection um, um, let's talk about some rosés, uh, actually, and summer wines that we have in front of us that you have sent me, uh, which is fantastic. Tell me about some of the wines that we're going to taste together um, and uh, how you got them and and what they are, because they're very unique.
1: Well, so, you know, since you're in Washington and I'm in California, one of, the, one of the things I've liked doing through keeping in touch with you is finding out and sharing what what wine happening or happenings, you know, Going on in each of our states, and so I've been getting to um, try out Washington wines I hadn't heard of through keeping in touch with you and and sending stuff that I figured you were aren't getting up there from California. And so since we were talking about summer wines, I decided to put some thought into not only what great summer wines are coming from California, but what are some great summer wines that are really unexpected. And also coming from areas that don't get as much attention from from labels that are newer and maybe a little smaller production, too. So, again, kind of nice gems, hidden secrets of the state. So with that in mind, um, Aaron Epstein of La Metro, uh, a monthly kind of wine service, helped me get a hold of two producers coming out of San Diego, which is an area people don't necessarily think of straight away. No No way. For yeah, wine. it's really yeah. exciting. I've never had any
0: wines produced there, and I don't think of any wines from these uh, regions, too. Uh, San Diego County and Santa Barbara County.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's tons of great wines coming out of Santa Barbara County. San Diego County has actually been making wine for quite a while, but it, at, at this style, it's sort of a new newer phenomenon. Um, so coming from Santa Barbara County, they actually are making the wines down in San Diego. But Jay Bricks is getting this the fruit for this particular wine out of Santa Barbara County. And in fact, their winemaking career started there. They um did their first internships um at Coupe, which is in Santa Maria Valley on Bien Vineyard. So this um this first wine that uh, we we were able to get for today is uh Jay Bricks sparkling Riesling.
0: And it's not just like um it's a um is it a
1: pet nat? No, I believe it's actually method champenoise so that the okay. secondary fermentation went through bottle. But to be honest, <laughs> we'd need to double check that. Yeah, it's uh, very like,
0: cloudy and it's very uh, yeah. like yeasty and cloudy. It's really um, intriguing just looking at it. Like it's unusual looking at it. Like you know, you're getting right. something unique.
1: Yeah, and um, you know, as you as you know, since you have the bottle there, it was closing crown cap, which is also a, another sign of. Um, fermentation going on in the bottle um i don't know how yours is going but i opened i opened mine over the sink because it kept bubbling over mine is bubbling over
0: right now i'm trying not to freak out i mean it's not it's not the wine's fault it's it's my fault i hope you I, have yeah. a big
1: bowl there it's kind of
0: bubbling <laughs> over yeah i'm uh, uh i'm like just like barely like just like teasing it open um it might take a while mm-hmm but um, so where is um, where is Santa Barbara County? I mean, I don't even, uh, to be honest, I mean, that's very ignorant of me. But, you know, like Napa, Sonoma, yeah, I know where that is. But uh, where are we talking about in Santa Barbara County? Like, where is the wine country there?
1: Well, so the town of Santa Barbara is at the very southern part of the county. And it is, um, it's all the way down at the ocean. Um, Santa Barbara County is... Uh, entirely north of the city of Santa Barbara and it's at the crazy nook if you look at the side of the state of California if you're looking at a map you know there's um Napa and Sonoma County are up north then there's San Francisco Bay obviously creates a big um divot into the state where San Francisco is and you keep going south and the coast stays fairly vertical for quite a while and then finally has almost a horizontal nook in before it then um, dives south again. That nook where the state folds in, the where that corner happens there on the coast, that's uh, the bottom the bottom corner of Santa Barbara County. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And then um, yeah. What, what grapes, I mean, what, what's growing there? I mean, we have like this Riesling, but what are the usual suspects or are people just doing all kinds of different things?
1: It's actually possible to grow almost anything there. The reason is because the way the land works there. There's just massive variation in um, temperature even within one hour drive as well as sort of elevation differences, aspect changes, fog influence, wind influence. So if you start on the coast um, north of Santa Barbara, so inland, you start on the coast, you start driving east from the coast an hour, you'll go from a region where it's actually hard it's so cold it 's hard to get something like Pinot Noir to ripen mm-hmm. um, and and drive all the way within an hour you 'll be in an area where you can grow all of the Bordeaux varieties and anything that grows uh, that needs w- really warm temperatures to ripen and throughout the whole region though you get a really nice diurnal shift so it really cools off at night so the acidity levels stay stay really high there's also a pretty consistent breeze and at certain times of the, the year, really strong wind. That means even if you're further inland and you've got those high temperatures, you're getting that sun exposure, but you're also getting this breeze that's sort of keeping the structure up so that you you can have wine with fairly ripe flavors and still tons of juiciness. So we're about to taste this sparkling um, version from Jay Bricks. Totomer makes gorgeous Riesling and Gruner Veltliner from really cool sites. Um, up against the coast there in Santa Barbara County. But then if you go all the way inland, you can find um, labels making incredible examples of Rhone wines and incredible examples of Bordeaux varieties. Andrew Murray is someone that has been playing with Syrah from all over that county for quite a while. Um, Tensley is someone that has been um, making Syrah, again, from eastern side. There's some uh newer plantings Star Lane has been was one of the first to plant Bordeaux varieties over in Happy Canyon, Gracioli family's there. There's quite a few people doing interesting work there. A Tribute to Grace is another label that you might have heard of from Santa Barbara County that's doing um high elevation redosh. Uh so there's just a lot of different things possible.
0: All right, so I'm drinking this um Bricks sparkling wine and um it's really um uh it's kind of like bread doughy, like like yeasty and doughy, um, and it's not. Um, it's really like serious tasting to me. I mean, it's fun to drink, but um, uh, it's totally unique. And I, I don't mean as a euphemism for I don't like it. Like um, it's got a lot going on. It's just so like yeasty and doughy. It's like like when you walk into like a really good bread shop, and it's like an intoxicating smell. I like it. It's fun.
1: Well, and there's a little bit of almond paste on the nose that I really like, too.
0: Yeah, like that marzip- marzipan. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But it's uh, um, saying that there's nothing sweet about it. This is sort of a... No, it's totally dry. Yeah, I think, um, I think of this wine as something that's like, I definitely, I do want to be on the porch. I want to be on the porch when yeah. there's sun, but maybe a little bit of a breeze, like not a really hot, sweaty day yeah it'd be a good Seattle wine, you guys don't yes. get very warm yes. up there <laughs> and then
0: if you're out on the porch, you can open it and not not worry about <laughs> <laughs> going going everywhere right
1: unless there's open slats down to a downstairs neighbor
0: right yeah, warn your neighbor yeah i yeah. them an umbrella um but no, it's really fun to drink and it's very effervescent. yeah it's it's, it's got to be full on sparkling
1: well, I like too that it I think it could go with a range of foods like i i wouldn't I would love some prosciutto with this and some fresh fruit too. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's sort of like when you have like Marcona almonds with uh, mm-hmm. on a meat plate. It's got that kind of almondy kind of nutty note that would be very good with that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is really cool. This is very fun. And it's super low production. I mean, 17 cases. Jeez, I can't believe I'm drinking this. I feel yeah. very, I feel very lucky. Thank you.
1: Mm-hmm. No, um, I'm, happy. I'm really happy we we're able to get a hold of this.
0: And and let's talk about – so let's move to uh, the San Diego County wine. So now we have a Rosé Vesper. It's their Grenache Rosé. I don't know much about Vesper. What can you tell me about them and um, where they are and what they do?
1: Well, so Vesper is um, a couple making wines out of San Diego. They have a a longstanding wine background and decided they wanted to get back to San Diego and start um, working with fruit there. So they actually have – done some really interesting work kind of um, identifying interesting vineyard sites and then working really directly with farmers to really get a handle on the style of farming that they're interested in in utilizing in order to make what they see as the best wines possible from the place. San Diego County does um, it has been growing grapes for quite a long time but the most of the producers making wines from there have been really kind of much higher production and because the wineries have been higher production they've been able to really um, have control of the farming and sort of dictate price to the farmers themselves and what Vespers has been able to do is when they've found sites that they think are really worth working with they've they've kind of been able to um Turn the attitude around, if that makes sense, and and really uh, focus on having a having a strong positive connection with farmers and um, and increase what those farmers are able to get for the fruit as a result, which I think is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and what's cool is we've got their 2012 rosé, and then they sent us a uh, a tank sample of their 2013 uh, rosé too. So um, it's kind of I mean, for what what is a tank sample? It tastes pretty. Uh, it tastes pretty damn good to me.
1: Yeah, I think their 12 is really interesting too because it is a Grache, Grenache Rosé. But the um the style is pretty unique I think for the fruit too. What do you think of the of um,
0: the wine? The 12's got some definite it doesn't it doesn't taste like a it certainly doesn't taste like a classic Provençal rosé. Um there's a lot more um then I mean, a lot more going on. It's it's um I'm trying to figure out what it has on the nose that's unique. It's a little sharp. It's a little like um uh Um, like nutty, like nutty sherry type qualities to me is what it seems to have.
1: Are you on the twelve? Yeah,
0: I'm jumping Mm -hmm. back and forth. The thirteen's a little more typical to me, like a typical rosé. The twelve is unique.
1: Yeah, the twelve. I I mean, I think of as a lightly oxidative style, so they've allowed just a a little bit of oxygen influence, and in it gives a little more texture and weight on the palate. But then at the same time, the wine is still so juicy. That it um, really shoots through the mouth. It's not heavy at all.
0: It's like the Lopez Heredia of uh, <laughs> of San Diego
1: County, I would say. <laughs> right. Well, and it's only eleven point five percent, so it's super refreshing. And I'll admit, I'm not spitting right now. Um, this fine. wine also uh, in um, in the last several months has gone into New York and okay. yeah, Roberta's is a fantastic pizza place in Brooklyn that I was able to visit a couple of weeks ago when I was in New York city and they were actually pouring this, this was their rosé by the glass there.
0: Oh wow. God, it's so, mm-hmm. uh, that, that probably wouldn't happen here in Seattle. Roberta's is a cool place. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. I went there um, a couple of years ago and really liked
1: it. Yeah. Great food too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then, so what's interesting is we have two, actually we have not one, but two tank samples. Um, and I've got this, um, McCormick ranch rosé sample, mm-hmm. And so I'm contrasting it with the, uh, I think this one is a little, um, lighter and more of the, like, sort of like classic rose that you'd get from southern France. Whereas the, um, the Rancho Guajito tank sample is a little more, um, uh, a little more, I guess, vespery, reminding me of the, the 12 rose, but not mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. oxidative quality.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's cool. You don't see too many people, I mean, I don't know how many people do more than one rosé. I mean, I think that's really interesting. Usually, people have their rosé and
1: and that, right. That. Well, there's actually, I mean, there's an interesting change in attention around rosé right now. It's just sort of, um, it's turning into a category that producers are able to take more seriously, um, and partially because consumers are more willing to to buy it. Yeah. And so, as consumer attention increases the uh, ability to sell it increases and that means the ability to devote time to it also increases as a talking about a completely different state though. I just tasted with Channing Daughters out on the South Fork of Lang- Long Island two weeks ago when I was in New York city and he's actually producing seven different rosés. Wow. That's they're, crazy. Yeah. They're, yeah. And um, six of them are single vineyard, single varietal. And one of them is a single vin- vineyard, two varietal rosé. They're all like, Really nicely made, ultra crisp, really refreshing, but ranging from, um, Mer, you know, there's a Merlot and there's a Rifosco. so kind of a contrast of more recognizable grapes, and then some really quirky ones, too, which is fun.
0: Yeah, they're doing all kinds of cool things. You know what I drank that I really liked from the uh, thing, uh, Finger Lakes was, uh, have you had Bellwether? I haven't. Uh, I just got, um, I haven't tried all the lines, but they had a really beautiful, delicate Pinot Noir Rosé that was like... Nine and a half percent alcohol, and just I mean, it just as a barometer, I mean, you usually see a lot of wines like that around, let's say, thirteen ish. I would say twelve mm-hmm. and a half, thirteen percent. So, mm-hmm. um, and it was really fun. I mean, it just seems like there are some really cool things going on in the Finger Lakes, and people uh, doing like you know, like terroir and just strange yeah. grapes. I mean, the grapes themselves aren't strange; they're just you know, things that they're not the usual suspects. Yeah, so. they're
1: newer for newer for the states. Yeah, over it so. Finger Lakes is on um, the western side of the state, and Long Island, of course, is all the way east. But they're both they're interesting regions and um, kind of up and coming. So, so that's that's something that I think something like um, San Diego has in common. You know, where people are people are really starting to dive in and really give themselves to the long term project of developing quality in the area, which is really cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um- and let's, uh, let's dive in, so um, I sent you a couple uh, rosés from Washington State, um, one is the Tranche, which is, uh, uh, I think it's, it's the Pink Pop, and it's sort of, it's, well, it's an homage to um, Southern Rhone rosés, and then I sent you a Gilbert Sellers Mouvedre, uh mm-hmm. which I think is a pretty classically style, I think they're both, I mean, to me, they're both Southern Rhone, um, you know, homage to, homages to those rosés. Um, uh, and um, there, there are two that I've liked every year. Um, the Pink Pop is always a, it's a, I would call it a cult thing—but when it comes out, mm-hmm. people get really excited. And the Gilbert Sellers has really gone from strength to strength the last few years. And they have a new label that I like a lot too. Yeah, and I like the that. The label. label is nice. I think they did a really good job. So I just you know thought.
1: What the variety is in the tranche or the blend? Uh,
0: it's a blend. I think it's a lot of Grenache and So. I mean, it's very oh, okay. like you know Chateauneuf in that it's definitely grenache based i know there's a lot of sinso in it as well um uh-huh. i think i think they'll tell you but you have to ask i don't know if it's um on their website right. or anything right. like right. that um, and i can always uh look that up in fact when i write something up for jamesonfink.com i will um i will make sure to get that information but they're pale um they're pale they're light they're refreshing um i think They've, they show how w- rosé in Washington has definitely come a long way. I mean, when I first got here, not like I've been here that long, but 10 years, there was rosé. A lot of it was sweet and heavy. And then a lot right. of it was, I mean, just people like mixing red and white wine together. Right. So now we're starting to see people uh, you're like, I'm going to make a rosé. I have these grapes that I'm picking specifically for it. And people are, you know, it's not to the degree that you're talking about where people are making like, you know, nine different single vineyard rosés, but there's definitely... I mean, there's a market for it. I mean, there's such a market for a rosé in Seattle anyway, and people are kind of excited to see uh, what Washington is doing. So I thought those were two good examples of uh, mm-hmm. perfect summery wines.
1: Yeah. Well, I really – I like how delicate the aromatics are in the tranche. You know, there's like like strawberry blossom, a little bit of nut, some beeswax, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the beeswax shows up even more in the mouth, I think, you know. So there's a kind of softness to the wine Well. Which I mean in terms of flavor, but Mm -hmm. then it's really juicy, really you know lots of length in the mouth, which is nice too. Yeah, they do. uh, They do a really good job. Could you tell us a little bit about Yakima Valley then too, which is where that wine comes from apparently?
0: I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean for me, I think the biggest thing that people um, don't realize who uh, don't live in Washington State is that um, I think a lot of people still think that like the wineries or all the grapes are like on the Seattle side of things, and like, oh, how do you grow grapes when it's so rainy? But, um, I mean, it's eastern Washington where, you know, the, the vast, vast majority of the wine grapes come from here. It, it's a desert. I mean, it's really dry. Um, there's, you know, the, there's irrigation there, and um, there, there are being... Big temperature shifts at night, which helps retain acidity in the wines, which I think is, is, I mean, I know you agree with me on that. It's obviously important mm-hmm. to retain acidity. Mm-hmm. So even though it can be really, really hot during the day, there's enough of a temperature swing at night so things don't get uh, out of hand, so wines don't get flabby. But, um, right. When I talk about um Eastern logic, I guess the first thing I want people to know is like you have to cross the Cascade Mountains and then once you cross the Cascades from Seattle, it's like a a whole different world um climate wise like it's much much drier, much hotter it's like sort of like the opposite of whatever stereotypes you you would have at Seattle, but I think what makes it unique is that. Um, there's enough of a cooling down in the evening. And, and they can have problems with frost, um, too. I mean, it can get that cold there um, where um, if, like, the, the season is going on too long, there's always a danger of frost. So mm-hmm. um, my my... What I like to say about Washington is just before I, you know, like I, I dive into specifically to Appalachians and just for people listening is that like, you know, just look at a map of Washington and when you look at Eastern Washington, you're like, wow, it's like, uh, you know, totally different. It's just like the other side of the mountains. It's very deserty. It's very dry and arid, but there is enough of a cooling down at night to keep the wines interesting. And I think acidity is something that you see and maybe more so in the red wines too, that they have good levels of, of, of natural acidity and, and it uh, sort of balances out like the, you know, sort of the, some of the bold fruitiness you can get from uh, hot temperature, hot climate grapes. So mm-hmm. it's a nice, it's a nice mix, but, um, uh, and then like with the rosés, you know, you can tell these are people who are picking for rosé and making yeah. really nice wines.
1: Yeah. This Gilbert Cellars I'm really enjoying too. It's, <clears throat> it's so lifted and um, like, it's just like fills my soft palate mm-hmm. um, with, with with flavor. So it's, um, it just, it, there's a lot of, um, just like the nose is really floral and, um, <clears throat> excuse me. There's a little bit of spice on the wine, but it's very light. It's really, it's really refreshing and really kind of energizing and lifted. It's, um, but now do you know anything about the name while Luke slope? Uh, what area is this wine coming from?
0: Uh, it's the same, um, it's the same it's, you know it's like it's the same it's obviously it's it's eastern washington the waluk slope is actually i mean i i know it more uh as for uh for red wines i mean i know it's one of the hotter areas there mm-hmm. so it's kind of interesting to see um a rosé get produced in in a really warm area, but then of course I mean it's hot as hell in Provence, so I mean that right, doesn't right. really mean anything. But um, yeah, it's usually it's it's a place where I would I would I would think of red wines first, which I think is really interesting that they're um, making a rosé from it. I mean obviously they're using red wine grapes, but um, mm-hmm. it's more of a it's more of a place where you get some really powerful, big, bold red. So it's always interesting to see a place known for that kind
1: of kind of put put what you know on its head. As well. well, the thing I like about this second wine too is that it's um the Gilbert cellars like there's a sense of delicacy in how the flavors come together, but at the same time there's like really strong presence. There's a sort of there's a power in the flavors and, and yet they're um tiptoeing through the palate at the same time, if that makes sense.
0: No, I like it. I like I like mm-hmm. wines that tiptoe on the palate especially mm-hmm. in the summer and <laughs> right. we've, we've talked about you know uh, a lot about rosé and some a little bit of white wine talk but do you ever drink i mean even when it's hot out do you drink red wine at all in the summer are there some red wines that you find uh themselves to summertime drinking even if it's it's quite warm out
1: yeah you know my um my very favorite grape and and both for fascination of the grape as well as just the flavor and profile, and then I, I'll admit that there's some nostalgia element too. But Pinot Meunier is a grape I really love, and ah. it's it's pretty hard to find. Yeah, but there's yeah. a um there's a kind of fleshiness uh, to the grape, almost like the kind of fleshiness you get from like fresh apricots. You know, fresh stone fruit always has this this sort of fleshy element to it, and Pinot Meunier feels like that as it goes through the mouth, but then it's you know it's related to Pinot Noir, but the difference is that Pinot Meunier always has this uh, almost like silvery metallic spine to it that keeps it really like ding. It just sort of energizes through the through the mouth, and, that, and then there's this earthiness as well in the flavor. So you have you're going to get red stone fruits and and nice herbal quality, but then you're going to get this earthy element all with a, in a fleshy mouthfeel and then this metallic zing that just like bing just wakes you up so the combination I find like totally alluring and just can't help myself (laughs) but um from Oregon I remakes a very little bit and um Totally in love with that wine, and then also from Oregon, Teutonic makes a very little bit, and they're both they're both really nice domestic examples um i think in in terms of domestic Pinot Meunier, right now, I think Oregon is doing the best job you can do, find
0: a, I'm sorry do you drink those chilled in the summer or do you chill them down or um...
1: <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i I think um, you know a little below room temperature can be fine you know you don't want to put a full chill on it you you don't want to leave right. it in the in the fridge, but yeah, if you can. If you can cool, you know, cool them a little bit in the summer. It's a really nice way to go because they're, you know, with everything I was saying about fleshiness and earthiness. The the truth is that Pinot Meunier is a very light, very delicate grape, and so, you know, and it's it's um one of the grapes used to make champagne. So there's always this real juiciness to it and refreshing quality. And if you put just a little bit of a chill on it, it um it's just really satisfying and. And um you know, really exciting. So
0: Yeah, it sounds like um I mean I haven't ha- I think I've had the one from Irie. I haven't seen the one from Teutonic, but yeah, I think um uh what you're saying about um you know like uh sort of some unheralded grapes and looking at some unheralded places that are really doing exciting things like uh Santa Barbara County and San Diego County and just like what I've talked about on other shows is that you know you're kind of learning about California beyond Napa and Sonoma—that there is yeah. a whole world out there. Yeah. And that's just scratching the surface too. I mean, yeah, there's, there, absolutely. There's a lot more places. So, um, Elaine, thanks for being on the show. Uh, I'm looking forward to enjoying some more of these wines, and also I'm going to get a towel and um, do some cleaning up. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, well,
1: I always enjoy talking about wine with you and tasting wine with you. You're you're such a great resources and 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 great person too so thank you for having oh, me thank you elaine i
0: learn a lot about california wine every time i talk with you and uh drink with you whether virtually or in person so it's yeah. been a pleasure and everyone please go to uh hawk waka, waka wine and uh you can also we can also find some of your writing online at wine and spirits and um the world of fine wine correct yeah that's right mm-hmm. and also check out dot com as well
1: yeah aaron epstein for La Metro Wine, it really was a great resource in connecting us to both Vesper and Jay Bricks.
0: Yes, thank you very much for that. And, uh, and cheers to you, Elaine. I look forward to uh, learning about more summertime wines from you all year long. Great.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot.